welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone tonight, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all God's children and all God's creation. And regardless of the negative aspects in this world, the time will come when the love and illumination of the family of light will dominate that of the darkness. And those worldly, often harmful and destructive, conditionings and illusions eliminated from the hearts and minds of individuals, those ones aiming for the higher dimensions. This, as we are steadily gaining more truth and knowledge about the presence and the power of the living God within us. Every day, giving thanks and praises and acknowledging in all ways that it is that power of our mighty I Am Presence that sustains us. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. There may be many systems of religion that so far from being morally bad are in many respects morally good, but there can be but one that is true, and that one necessarily must, as it ever will, be in all things consistent with the ever-existing word of God that we behold in his works. But such is the strange construction of the Christian system of faith, that every evidence the heavens affords to man, either directly contradicts it, or renders it absurd. It is possible to believe, and I always feel pleasure in encouraging myself to believe it, that there have been men in the world who persuaded themselves that what is called a pious fraud, might, at least under particular circumstances, be productive of some good. But the fraud being once established, could not afterwards be explained, for it is, with a pious fraud as with a bad action, it begets a calamitous necessity of going on. The persons who first preached the Christian system of faith, and in some measure combined with it the morality preached by Jesus Christ, might persuade themselves that it was better than the heathen mythology that then prevailed. From the first preachers the fraud went on to the second, and to the third, till the idea of its being a pious fraud became lost in the belief of its being true, and that belief became again encouraged by the interest of those who made a livelihood by preaching it. But though such a belief might, by such means, be rendered almost general among the laity, it is next to impossible to account for the continual persecution carried on by the church, for several hundred years, against the sciences and against the professors of science, if the church had not some record or tradition that it was originally no other than a pious fraud, or did not foresee that it could not be maintained against the evidence that the structure of the universe afforded. With respect to mystery, everything we behold is, in one sense, a mystery to us. Our own existence is a mystery, the whole vegetable world is a mystery. We cannot account how it is that an acorn, when put into the ground, is made to develop itself and become an oak. We know not how it is that the seed we sow unfolds and multiplies itself and returns to us such an abundant interest for so small a capital. The fact however, as distinct from the operating cause, is not a mystery, because we see it, and we know also the means we are to use, which is no other than putting the seed in the ground. We know, therefore, as much as is necessary for us to know, and that part of the operation that we do not know, and which if we did, 
we could not perform, the Creator takes upon Himself and performs it for us. We are, therefore, better off than if we had been led into the secret and left to do it for ourselves. But though every created thing is, in this sense, a mystery, the word mystery cannot be applied to moral truth, any more than obscurity can be applied to light. The God in whom we believe is a God of moral truth, and not a God of mystery or obscurity. Mystery is the antagonist of truth. It is a fog of human invention that obscures truth and represents it in distortion. Truth never envelops itself in mystery, and the mystery in which it is at any time enveloped, is the work of its antagonist, and never of itself. Religion, therefore, being the belief of a God, and the practice of moral truth, cannot have connection with mystery. The belief of a God, so far from having anything of mystery in it, is of all beliefs the most easy, because it arises to us, as is before observed, out of necessity. And the practice of moral truth, or, in other words, a practical imitation of the moral goodness of God, is no other than our acting towards each other as He acts benignly towards all. We cannot serve God in the manner we serve those who cannot do without such service, and, therefore, the only idea we can have of serving God, is that of contributing to the happiness of the living creation that God has made. This cannot be done by retiring ourselves from the society of the world and spending a recluse life in selfish devotion. The very nature and design of religion, if I may so express it, prove even to demonstration that it must be free from everything of mystery, and unencumbered with everything that is mysterious. Religion, considered as a duty, is incumbent upon every living soul alike, and, therefore, must be on a level to the understanding and comprehension of all. Man does not learn religion as he learns the secrets and mysteries of a trade. He learns the theory of religion by reflection. It arises out of the action of his own mind upon the things which he sees, or upon what he may happen to hear or to read, and the practice joins itself thereto. When men, whether from policy or pious fraud, set up systems of religion incompatible with the word or works of God in the creation, and not only above but repugnant to human comprehension, they were under the necessity of inventing or adopting a word that should serve as a bar to all questions, inquiries, and speculations. The word mystery answered this purpose, and thus it has happened that religion, which is in itself without mystery, has been corrupted into a fog of mysteries. In the same sense that everything may be said to be a mystery, so also may it be said that everything is a miracle, and that no one thing is a greater miracle than another. The elephant, though larger, is not a greater miracle than a mite, nor a mountain a greater miracle than an atom. To an almighty power it is no more difficult to make the one than the other, and no more difficult to make a million of worlds than to make one. Everything, therefore, is a miracle, in one sense, whilst, in the other sense, there is no such thing as a miracle. It is a miracle when compared to our power, and to our comprehension. It is not a miracle compared to the power that performs it. Mankind have conceived to themselves certain laws, by which what they call nature is supposed to act, and that a miracle is something contrary to the operation and effect of those laws. But unless we know the whole extent of those laws, and of what are commonly called the powers of nature, we are not able to judge whether anything that may appear to us wonderful or miraculous, be within, or be beyond, or be contrary to her natural power of acting. The Age of Reason, by Thomas Paine, 1794 Isis Unveiled, Volume 2, Chapter 2
The civilized world may yet expect the apparition of the materialized Virgin Mary within the walls of the Vatican. The so often repeated miracle of the Immaculate Visitor in the medieval ages has recently been enacted at Lourdes, and why not once more, as a coup de grace to all heretics, schismatics, and infidels. The miraculous wax taper is yet seen at Arras, the chief city of Artois, and at every new calamity threatening her beloved church, the Blessed Lady appears personally and lights it with her own fair hands, in view of a whole biologized congregation. This sort of miracle, says E. Worsley, wrought by the Roman Catholic Church, being most certain, and never doubted of by any. Neither has the private correspondence with which the most gracious lady honors her friends been doubted. There are two precious missives from her in the archives of the Church. The first purports to be a letter in answer to one addressed to her by Ignatius. She confirms all things learned by her correspondent from her friend, meaning the Apostle John. She bids him hold fast to his vows, and adds as an inducement, I and John will come together and pay you a visit. Nothing was known of this unblushing fraud till the letters were published at Paris, in 1495. By a curious accident it appeared at a time when threatening inquiries began to be made, as to the genuineness of the fourth synoptic. Who could doubt, after a such a confirmation from headquarters? H. P. Blavatsky The climax of effrontery was capped in 1534, when another letter was received from the Mediatrix, which sounds more like the report of a lobby agent to a brother politician. It was written in excellent Latin, and was found in the Cathedral of Messina, together with the image to which alludes. Its contents run as follows. Mary Virgin, mother of the Redeemer of the world, to the bishop, clergy, and the other faithful of Messina, sendeth health and benediction from herself and son. Whereas ye have been mindful of establishing the worship of me, now this is to let you know that by so doing ye have found great favor in my sight. I have a long time reflected with pain upon your city, which is exposed to much danger from its contiguity to the fire of Etna, and I have often had words about it with my son, for he was vexed with you because of your guilty neglect of my worship, so that he would not care a pin about my intercession. Now, however, that you have come to your senses, and have happily begun to worship me, he has conferred upon me the right to become your everlasting protectress, but, at the same time, I warn you to mind what you are about, and give me no cause of repenting of my kindness to you. The prayers and festivals instituted in my honor please me tremendously, vehementer, and if you faithfully persevere in these things, and provided you oppose to the utmost of your power, the heretics which nowadays are spreading through the world, by which both my worship and that of the other saints, male and female, are so endangered, you shall enjoy my perpetual protection. In sign of this compact, I send you down from heaven the image of myself, cast by celestial hands, and if ye hold it in honor to which it is entitled, it will be an evidence to me of your obedience and your faith. Farewell. Dated in heaven, while sitting near the throne of my son, in the month of December, of the 1534th year from his incarnation. Mary Virgin. The reader should understand that this document is no anti-Catholic forgery. The author from whom it is taken, says that the authenticity of the missive is attested by the bishop himself, his vicar general, secretary, and six canons of the Cathedral Church of Messina, all of whom have signed that attestation with their names, and confirmed it upon oath. Both the epistle and image were found upon the high altar, where they had been placed by angels from heaven. A church must have reached the last stages of degradation, when such sacrilegious trickery as this could be resorted to by its clergy, and accepted with or without question by the people. No. 
far from the man who feels the workings of an immortal spirit within him, be such a religion. There never was nor ever will be a truly philosophical mind, whether of pagan, heathen, Jew, or Christian, but has followed the same path of thought. Gautama Buddha is mirrored in the precepts of Christ, Paul and Philo Judaeus are faithful echoes of Plato, and Ammonius Saccas and Plotinus won their immortal fame by combining the teachings of all these grand masters of true philosophy. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, ought to be the motto of all brothers on earth. Not so is it with the interpreters of the Bible. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 15 No matter what it is that you wish to do in the physical world, so long as it be constructive, if you will just set the habit of, first of all, calling to your beloved I Am Presence and the Ascended Host, to blaze in and around you the Ascended Master's fiery Christ truth of what you need to know to produce perfection, and the fiery Christ protecting sacred fire that is necessary to be the guard before you produce what you want to an outer manifestation, you would never have problems. You would never have failure. You would never have anything that would be discordant. So, it is to help you come to this use of the great powers of life, that tonight it is my privilege to enfold each of you in the mighty Saint Germain's I am activities everywhere in the world in the added concentration of the sacred fire of our love, for the greater protection of all that is constructive, and to bring through the inspiration of the mighty I am presence and the ascended host, the greater blessings from the ascended master's octave. Now we are constantly lowering those into outer use if mankind would only recognize where this perfection comes from, and what it is necessary to do to hold protection around everything that is constructive, so that which is still remaining of discord in the outer world cannot interfere with that perfection, and cannot destroy the constructive activities that are released for the fulfillment of the great divine plan. In all use of consciousness and energy in the feeling world, there must come first always, the heart flame of love. And when individuals understand this and will use it before you start anything in the physical world that is constructive activity, if you will always provide the focus of the sacred fires purifying, all protecting love in the locality where you're going to produce something constructive, and then demand that that be eternally sustained, whatever you do that fulfills the great divine plan will come forth perfect. And then you of your own free will can call for that perfection which you create to be made imperishable and self-luminous, and to be made an eternal blessing, not only to you, but to every particle of life that contacts it. When the mighty God Tabor created the magnificent beauty and perfection that is within his retreat, his love, his sacred firepower, has enfolded that from the beginning, and still is its guard. And it is his sacred fire love that has prevented any human being ever beholding it till he gets ready to show it. Now that's what it means to understand the great creative activities of life, cooperate with them, and want to fulfill the great divine plan. So blessed ones, if I may be of help to you in this respect, whatever you wish to do that is constructive, stop, first of all, and call for the fiery Christ truth of the ascended master's way to do it, and all that you need to know to produce perfection that is eternal. And then call for the enfolding sacred fire love from the jade temple to be the eternal purity which is a protection that keeps it insulated against destructive forces. This is how that which has blessed mankind down through the ages has been sustained, even in the midst of mankind's destruction. And the same thing is true of you, of individuals. Beloved Angel Deva of the Jade Temple (music) 
So now if you'll just set the habit before you do anything, of just calling for what your mighty I am presence knows you need to know, and what the angelic host can give you to protect what you're going to do before you do it, you will never know failure. And as this becomes a habit, you will find no more problems. So, this is part of the answer to the call you made tonight. Applause. Thank you so much, precious ones. Won't you be seated please? Just remain so. There are so many magnificent blessings, and such happiness could come to mankind if individuals would understand this and use it. Therefore, in the great creative activities of the universe, you, all of you, need to know and remember that there are the temples of the sacred fire in the ascended master's octave from which the sacred fire and unlimited power can be concentrated, and drawn into any condition in the physical octave, to create and to sustain that which is constructive. We hope when the earth is purified, and mankind purified, awakened, purified, and illumined, we hope to show you a replica in the physical octave of some of these temples of the sacred fire. And if you ever behold them, you will realize how crude has been even the best of mankind's construction of buildings and architectural design in the physical world. We want to perfect this world. We can only perfect it through the humanity who are privileged to embody here, and we can only perfect it by bringing the perfection of our octave into this world. But before it can come, there must come the sacred fire concentration of the sacred fire's eternal purity in order to protect the concentration of the power and the substance by which the magnificent perfection can be drawn into this world for mankind to use, to enjoy, to bless all life, and to raise all into the victory of the ascension. Beloved Angel Deva of the Jade Temple